0: Welcome to the story behind her success with Candy O'Terry, presented by Boston Women in Media and Entertainment, sponsored by Tech Help Boston.
1: With every interview I record, I become more and more of a believer in the power of stories. We've got listeners in every one of the United States and in 62 countries around the world, and you have no idea what an honor it is for me to shine a light on these exceptional women, to give them a platform, a place to be heard. So thank you for listening. And if you wanna see our interviews here in the recording studio at Chart Productions, my home away from home, just go to my YouTube page. In the spotlight, a woman whose story is both heartbreaking and uplifting. A very successful executive in the healthcare field, she learned early on that there is more power in the word we than there is in the word I. So she founded two organizations, Tomorrow's Women Today and the Boston Women's Leadership Council. There was a time in her professional life when the sky really was the limit for today's guest. And then the unthinkable happened on the day she gave birth to her second child. And this is her inspiring story. Please welcome Lauren Gill Pimpari. Lauren, how are you?
2: I'm well, thank you, Candy.
1: We've met before and I said, you gotta come into the studio and let's tell your story again. So thanks for coming in. Let's go back to 2011. You and your husband had a 16 month old at the time and you were expecting your second child. Your career was on fire, you went into labor and then what happened?
2: My son was born lifeless. He suffered a traumatic injury during his birth. The floor was pulled out from underneath us. We had no idea. It was not what we expected. We knew he was going to be a preemie, but we did not expect him to have as many disabilities and handicaps as he did.
1: Was there a time during the delivery when you became aware that something was wrong?
2: I had no idea. He was facial presentation, so we knew that that was something different that not many physicians saw He was born. They took him away. They said it was a rough delivery so that we should go to our room and he should go to the NICU. He was born lifeless so it took two minutes to revive him. We went upstairs and we sent an email out to our families and said our son was born. His name is Boston. My water did break the night the Bruins won the Stanley Cup in 2011. We had no idea and we woke up the next morning and went down to see him. He was twitching. They had to give him morphine the night before. He had significant testing overnight. Ten days later, they sat us down and said, essentially, that our son was going to be a vegetable.
1: When you hear words like that, what goes through
2: your mind? The first emotions were shock. Were you angry? We were angry. We were hurt, confused. I think that I know that I just remember listening to my husband scream the words, how and why. There had been about 15 people in the room and they cleared. We looked at each other and said, whatever we can do, we are going to help this child reach his full potential. And we have. We have done many, many things to to help him find his place and his happiness.
1: And the good part about this story is that he has been able to do more and accomplish more, feel more, love more than you ever would have expected. Well, tears are already flowing here in the <laughs> studio. So good luck to both of us. Here's our We'll put the Kleenex between the two of us for this conversation. So you were finally able to bring Boston home. How did you even know, Lauren, how to take care of him?
2: We really didn't. We spent 40 days in the NICU, and in a NICU, you're so supported by the nurses and the team and everyone there. And then you get this little boy home, and there's no more monitors, no more people to tell you what to do. And we just immediately got hooked up with early intervention, and we started all of the traditional therapies and non-traditional therapies that we could get our hands on and just kept trying. Meanwhile, you have a 16-month-old who wants a little
1: bit of attention. Does it feel like a movie of your life when you look back on those
2: days? It does. I'm actually not sure how we survived.
1: There was a moment when you knew you couldn't climb that career ladder anymore. It wasn't an option of whether to do even part-time work. You once told me when we first met, quote,
2: this wasn't a pause, it was a full stop. I had told work that I would go back for a year, and I did. About a month short of a year, I realized that I was not being a good manager, and I certainly wasn't being a good mom. Everyone kept saying, you know, you don't have to do this. This is just a pause. You can take a time out. You can be there for your family. And I knew that stepping away from that role, that track of of hospital executive, was going to be a break. It was a break that I needed to take.
1: There's loss there.
2: There's a big loss. Yeah. it's a graduate degree. There's a lot of hours. There's a lot of sacrifice that went into getting to that point. That was a really tough decision.
1: Adversity and loss have a way of destroying us. They knock us onto our knees. How did you make it through those first few days, the weeks, the months, the early years that you're talking about right now?
2: The first few weeks, the first few months, the first few days, I had no voice I I couldn't talk to my friends. I couldn't talk to my family. I had the conversations I needed to with the physicians. My husband was my voice. He was absolutely my rock and has been my rock through everything. Through the months, through the years, I had already founded Tomorrow's Women Today. So I had this wonderful network of women, which I founded as a professional network. One thing that I've learned about women through starting this group is we are so much more than professional support. We can be so much more. Women who didn't even know me, they were new members. Uh, One specifically, uh, her name is Francesca. We had a list where people could sign up for shifts they could take to come and help us do a type of therapy. It was a movement therapy that required three people. She signed up every single Thursday. She flew in like a hurricane. My husband called her Hurricane Francesca. Came up the stairs of our North End apartment, up all five flights. I could hear those heels clicking up the whole way. She did the therapy with us and flew back down the stairs and went off to work. Motherhood is unifying. You've just said that. What is mother love? Oh, the expression of mama bear. When you are a special needs mother, it's more than being a mama bear. It's the ultimate sacrifice. Can you reach out to a new mom, a new dad, a new
1: aunt, and uncle, a caregiver? who has just experienced this? Maybe has a child born with a life-threatening disease, or what can you say? How can you help a family listening to our conversation today?
2: There's hope. You will find kindness in people that you, you don't know, people that you meet on the street, people that you never thought would be there for you will be there for you. It will give you hope. Appreciate all of the small things. I think that I'm so blessed to have my nine-year-old and my now four-year-old daughters because I can see and appreciate every single thing that they do through the eyes of what my son can't do.
1: My next question has to do with, after having Boston and taking care of him and figuring out how to do it, you then needed to have the courage
2: to have another child. Can you talk a little bit about that? I felt like I wasn't complete. I felt like our family wasn't complete. I said to my husband, I feel like I have more love. I also feel that our nine-year-old, or now nine-year-old, it's a responsibility to be the sibling of a child with special needs. And I felt like she needed to share that conversation and that responsibility with someone else that wasn't us. I also felt like Boston shouldn't be the baby anymore. That he was growing and that people were still referring to him as baby Boston. He wasn't a baby. He was three years old. My husband said, you're right. I share that with you. My mother-in-law, who is a lifesaver, she jokingly said, if you do decide to have a third, I will come and stay with you. That
1: was enough. That's huge because then you knew right away you had another set of hands. Absolutely. This compassion that I see in you and you know i i haven't cried like this in a while <laughs> you know i'm so affected by your story because i'm so affected by your compassion i wonder how you got this way can you tell us a little bit about your childhood tell us you know what was important in your house when you were growing up where did you learn to have such a big heart despite adversity
2: i have two amazing parents my mother's a working mother she's second generation my grandmother was an entrepreneur. She had her own store. So I was raised by women who worked. I'm daddy's little girl. And he, all of the stereotypes that were existed in the 70s when I was born, the moment I was born, my dad threw them all out the window <laughs> and realized, this girl is going to be president. So I may not be president. But I was raised in a house that supported that. And I've got two great brothers who I love and are amazing. And where are you from? I'm from the North Shore, Beverly.
1: Oh, okay. So you're you're a native of
2: Massachusetts. I'm a local
1: You've been girl. around here for a long time. Yeah. No wonder you love the Bruins as much as right. you do. Okay. What was the work ethic like in your house? What was the message about how hard to work and what matters in this world?
2: I was a self motivated learner. I was a Montessori kid. Then went on to a private school that was focused on the self-motivated learner. I think that I learned at a very young age that if you wanted something, you needed to go get it because no one was there to push you along. A great example of that was when I graduated from high school. I had two options for college. I needed a scholarship to go to college. I played sports. There was one college in the South that I really, really wanted to go to and another college in upstate New York that gave me a better financial aid package. So I called the dean of admissions at Guilford College in, in Greensboro, North Carolina, and said, I really want to go there, but this other college gave me a better package. What can you do? And the next day, I you got a call. you was a deal-doer. I was a deal-doer. <laughs> I'm not, I think nowadays you might get hung up on if you do that. But the next day, he called back and said, we've got a better package for you.
1: What sport did you play? I played soccer and lacrosse. Thank you for sharing that story because I think, you know, our listeners want to know how you got to this place and understanding our childhoods really makes a big difference. What was your major in college?
2: I was a double major in English and psychology.
1: And when you got out of school, did you know what you wanted to do or did you have any idea?
2: Absolutely not. I knew that I wanted to be in California, so I packed up my bags and moved to the West Coast. What was that like for you? It was a great experience.
1: Let's talk a little bit about your organizations. First of all, uh, Tomorrow's Women Today. Tell me what the mission
2: is and how the organization has
1: grown since you founded it way back in 2009.
2: Tomorrow's Women Today was founded to provide emerging leaders, so essentially women in the first decade of their professional careers after they were established in a man- managerial role. So essentially. 27 years old to about 38 to provide them with a network of professional development where we could support one another in our growing roles to provide our members with access to C-suite level leaders. So there's an organization in town called the Massachusetts Women's Forum. I was inspired to start Tomorrow's Women Today after their annual event called Women Opening Doors for Women. The idea was to really give our members access to these C-suite level women so that they could learn from them. And what about the Boston Leadership
1: Council? I know you created that in 2017. Tell us about that.
2: I realized that we had some gray hairs, some wrinkles, and we're holding levels of power that were no longer at the emerging leader level. So a few members came to me. They didn't renew their Tomorrow's Women Today dues. And I said, what's going on? And they said, well, I'm, I'm head of council now. I'm not just an attorney. I'm chief marketing officer. I've emerged. And I said, I know you're not exactly where you want to be at the end of the road, so let's create a group for us in this, this interim place, the non-emerging leader level, but not yet the CEO. And the Boston Women's Leadership Council was, was formed. You know, it's interesting because
1: I've spent my entire career interviewing women. And I really believe in women power and just a sisterhood that happens between us. And I think you do, too. What have you learned about women when they come together?
0: Please support our sponsors. They make this show possible. More than 30,000 families and businesses have trusted TechHelpBoston.com since the year 2000. Dave Elmazian, president of TechHelp Boston, with the reasons why. We like to establish a relationship with our customers, and the best way to do that is see them in their natural setting, so to speak, and that's in their home. We come to you, we work with you on your equipment in a setting that's comfortable for you, and also we can test better that way because if you have a printing problem or whatever and we bring it to a shop, it may work great in the shop, but it might not work in your home. So this way we know for sure everything is working the way that it should. TechHelpBoston.com. Their experts will come to your home or office to fix your computer same day, next day, and weekends, too. Visit TechHelpBoston.com. That's TechHelpBoston.com.
2: It goes back to that collective we. I think that as women, each of us has a very strong voice. When you put us together, we're unstoppable. You can't quiet us. We're loud and powerful, and we have a lot to say. So that collective we is something that I I embrace and I try to talk a lot about.
1: You are also a member of the board of directors of the March of Dimes. You serve on an advisory board for Boston Children's Hospital, the Department of Public Health's Pediatric Palliative Care Family Advisory Council. So I guess my question is, what do you give and what do you get from your work around these nonprofits and these
2: organizations? There's a woman that's one of my mentors. Her name is Sandy Lish. She runs a PR firm in town. I feel like she uses her role as a platform to do a lot of the other things that are important to her. I say that because my role in Tomorrow's Women Today in the Leadership Council has provided me with a platform to not only impact women and make a change there, but also make a change in areas that are important to me or my family. Clearly, the March of Dimes is very important as the focus is on prematurity and racial inequities and birth inequities. The South Shore Music Conservatory is important to me because my son does music therapy there. The Department of Public Health is important because it's helping children who are struggling in their families. And obviously Boston Children's Hospital is important because that's where we get all of our care. I feel that I'm able to focus on areas that aren't necessarily my job, March of Dimes kind of goes back to that healthcare piece. Children's Hospital goes back to that healthcare piece. So I'm using some of what I started with and growing it and fostering it in a way that I'm able to impact real change. Couple
1: questions for you that we ask everyone who sits where you are today. When an obstacle is in your path, how do you get around it?
2: It does depend on the situation, but I think that if it's a obstacle that needs to be dealt with right away, I am a bulldozer and I just take it head on. I'm, I'm also one of those people who will beg for mercy later. So I'll just take it and go and blast through and then say, oh, sorry, get out of my way.
1: Right. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? And can you pass that along to someone who's listening today?
2: A now-hospital CEO once told me during a tumultuous time at a hospital to ride the wave. As a snowboarder and a girl that loves the ocean, I kind of get that feeling of what it feels like to ride a wave. Sometimes you, you don't need to be that bulldozer, and sometimes you do need to just kind of surf the earth or surf that wave and ride that wave a little while and see where it crashes and see how you land when it does crash. You know, you had mentioned women are a force.
1: There are women now who are listening to our program all around the world. And sometimes I lay awake at night and I think about what their lives are like. They might be different from yours and mine. They might not have in the country where they live some of the same freedoms that you and I enjoy as women here in the United States. And by the way, we're not done yet here in the United States. We have many more mountains to climb. But what do you say to a woman who might feel as if she's
2: powerless? no one's powerless. We as individuals need to find our own voices, whether it's the literal voice, whether it's the written word, whether it's bringing other women together and together being that voice. We need to find that way to to make change. You're never ever powerless.
1: We can plan as best as we can, but life throws us curveballs, right? You've got these beautiful children, and there have been many sacrifices
2: for you. Would you change anything? I wouldn't change anything. I've heard a lot of people say, oh, if you could make one wish, would you wish that Boston was okay, that everything worked out okay that day and that he didn't have a brain injury? Yes, on some level I agree with that, but I think that it's made me who I am, the person that I am now, is stronger is more understanding i think the person my husband is 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 a better and he's a great guy it just has made us a better person i wouldn't change it for the world
1: describe boston to us today the little boy you just left at home to come and do this interview
2: so we can all have a picture of
1: him in our mind
2: everyone told us he essentially would be a vegetable that he wouldn't be able to walk talk eat In many ways, that is true. He can't sit on his own. He needs to be fed. He isn't potty trained, but we take him skiing. We take him out on the boat. He has a gait trainer, and he tries to walk around the house. He will say, Daddy. He has a smile that will light up a room and is the most amazing, beautiful boy and the strongest boy, horseback riding music therapy, pool therapy, you name it. He's up for the challenge and and does it. He's a light. I'm going to
1: guess that your definition of success would be very different if I had asked you for it 20 years ago. At this point in your life, with your life experience
2: before you and behind you, what
1: does success mean to you?
2: Success is the impact that I can make on the world. It's not money, it's not a title, it's not any of the things that I probably would have defined success as 20 years ago. It's really about ways to influence others to impact change and the legacy that I can leave. I wanna say thank you so much for coming to our studios
1: today, for sharing your story so openly, and also for being so kind and generous to tell people your experience during a really tough time. And I thank you so much for your friendship. Thank you, Candy.
0: Thanks for listening to The Story Behind Her Success with Candy O'Terry. This is a series with one goal in mind to shine the spotlight on women doing great things with their lives. We hope these weekly stories will motivate and inspire you. If you'd like to suggest someone for Candy to interview, She'd love to hear about her. Connect with her anytime on Facebook, Twitter, and her website, CandyOterry.com. That's C-A-N-D-Y-O-T-E-R-R-Y.com. You'll find all of these links in the show notes. What's your story?